Welcome to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast with your hosts, Jason Balin and Ian Horowitz. What's up, everybody? What's up? Let's eat reserve podcast. I think you got, I think you got me uh, eating a carrot at the beginning, you bastard. With your healthy vegan lunch. Yeah, well, I got to do something. I got big goals. Okay. I'm trying to, uh, you know, I've been, we rented a, you know, can't really disclose what we did, but we have a little gym set up somewhere. And, uh, okay. I got some lofty goals coming up here. Um, I'm going to crack some fat numbers. So I'm trying to be, I mean, I'm really just trying to get rid of this. That's why I'm growing my beard in. But either way, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're here. What I, we got got you, I got you. I got you. It's been Welcome so to the yeah, It's been a few days. It hasn't been that long. Welcome to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast. Today's Mar uh, May 28th, Thursday. We don't have any guests on today. Ian and I have got a good show. A great show tailored for everybody. We're going to be talking about some new eviction stuff that came that came up that is pretty uh, relevant to where we are. We're also going to talk about uh, the economy and some of the counties opening up and our thoughts related to what that's going to, you know, where that's going. Now, keep in mind, everything we talk about on this show is real estate related or marketing related or business related. Um, so we're not going to get into any mumbo jumbo political stuff or, or our opinions or views on that. It's more just real estate oriented. That's the value that we will be bringing today. Uh, the reason we've been timestamping all of these shows is things we've talked about yesterday might not be relevant to tomorrow since a lot have been changing. So if this is the first time you are tuning in, welcome. Uh, we have a lot of fun on these shows. If you have any questions or comments along the way, Feel free to comment below underneath these videos. There's a little comment section and happy to uh, answer any questions that you have. If you want to hop on the show and you have a, a good question or kind of something you contribute, we're happy to uh, have you hop on the show as well. We can put a link in the comment section and we can uh, have you hop on and, and do that. Uh, if you are a regular on the show, thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Certainly appreciate it. I'm trying to find a little button to share the wealth and to help share all of this with the community. Uh, I'll find that at some point. I forgot how to navigate this thing. Oh, here it is. Please share the broadcast. We appreciate it. Cool. So what what do you got going on, Ian? Nothing, man. I just uh, been over here grinding. I see my thing don't want to auto focus now. Um, let's see if I get in focus. We had a really good, you know, we didn't do a recap last week, but we had really good shows last week. Um, we had a, uh, we had Martin on, which I thought was, a, I saw your, I saw your brain working. Um, I want to get your <laughs> clarification on that before we go forward, because we have not recapped that. I saw your brain working when he was talking about that. And so I want to okay. get, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are um, as a potential uh, new, you know, additional revenue stream or another way to do a deal. Like what's your view on that? I'm on note buying. I, is that what you're asking me? Yeah, yeah, I know, Bonnie, yes. So I, I like his strategy. His strategy is not for me, personally. Uh, hold on, I'm sharing this with a few other people. Okay, sorry. Um, I, I like it, and I think it's a good business model, and I, I fully do understand what he's doing. It's a little bit different than what I would normally do. 
And the reason why is I look at everything related to collateral risk. Uh, I care obviously a lot about the performance uh, of any real estate project, but I also look at the collateral as the backstop. Um, and it looks like on his model, he's doing more highly, le you know, highly leveraged second notes, less collateral, more important on affordability and performance. And I believe both of those are important. And in a perfect world, if you could have a good collateral position on a note and you could have a good performance or ways that it could perform, you know, it's an, it's a no brainer. I just, I, I like working with real estate investors over, over, you know, consumers in general. Uh, I like to, it's kind of like B2B to me. I like working with real estate investors. I like being creative and, and those are his, his transactions are all creative in order to kind of figure out the best, the best solution for the owner of the property. I just, I like, I like my business model. I like dealing with, with the physical assets of, of real estate. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I just, it's always an interesting way to look at, um, <clears throat> other business models. And, you know, there's a potential that, you know, maybe you're talking to a bank that you have a good relationship with and then boom, they're like, Hey, well, we can't foreclose on this right now due to everything going on, but we could sell you on, sell you the note and you could get it at a deep discount and you can take it to the courthouse steps and, sell to somebody like Terry or, you know, you can control the deal. So there's, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat in that game. Um, we do have some big news on the eviction world. I don't know how long we're going to be on here, um, but we did want to update everybody. Today, May 27th, today's May 28th, but I believe on the 22nd, I can't, I've lost, yeah, on the 22nd, uh, the chief judge of the Court of Appeals have explained how the courts would open. Um through phases and just so everybody knows any filing so this is for eviction there's a whole slew of other i was trying to find the link but i can't find it but there was a whole slew of other stuff um that populated uh in regards to this um with other parts of court opening or not opening but i do know um any filings received on june 10th will be processed and delivered to courts oh this is for my my processor um the courts are planning to reopen to the public on July 20th, 2020. All rent cases will be scheduled for court August 31st or later. Uh, the court is requiring a declaration um, with the COVID stuff, if there's been any reprieve or forbearances. Um, Everett filings who we utilize, who we should probably have on here. I'm gonna reach out to Evelyn today. Um, she wasn't clear to what they're exactly looking for um in the way of a declaration but just be noted you know if you're following your rank cases um to make sure we're getting accurate information uh other than that i do know anybody that has tenant holdovers or uh what's the other one wrongful detainers um i believe they're going to start being processed on june 8th but check with your local court and make sure that you have the proper information so so that so that was a baltimore city uh, memo or is that a state, state of Maryland? That was, a, that was a state. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to Evelyn today and see if we can't get her on later this week or early next week um, and do an interview and discuss everything that's going on. Cause there is a ton of moving parts, um, you know, and not to mention her service is amazing, but beyond that uh, there is a ton of moving parts going on right now. And I know a lot of people, there's a lot of background that's potentially due for people. People are in forbearance. People are, um, moving uh you know trying to do different things and uh, uh you know get out of rent or moved into a house on you or whatever may have happened um just make sure that you're being uh you know you know exactly what's going on with uh, 
with your specific court. Let me ask you a question in general. Would you believe that most of your residents or tenants are paying rent and happy to be there and don't want to move and maybe even scared, not scared, but like if leases are up that they're going to be, you know, that you won't renew the lease. Like, have they been cooperative and align, you know, their goals and your goals aligned? Yeah, I would say, honestly, you know, we took over management on a pretty big property that we're closing here shortly um, in our normal portfolio. We didn't, sorry, my window's open, so I apologize for any background noise. Um, but we uh, we didn't really have any issues. You know, there hasn't been many um, people that wanted to move out. A lot of our subsidized tenants are actually having issues move, which has helped uh, diversify some of our risk because the city's not processing uh, vouchers right now. Other than that, um, with uh, in reflecting on what you're commenting on, not many of our tenants ask for forbearance or for rent reprieve or whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, everybody, all out of everything we manage, only one tenant asked for that and didn't even wind up filing the paperwork. Other than that, lease renewals, um, we received our, you know, we had no issues there. People that were going to move are moving. People that weren't going to move are staying. You know, we didn't really have any issues there. Um, all the extensions with the exception of one, we had one guy go month to month because he was concerned about moving right now. Um, other than that, uh, rent increases from city and county section uh, housing choice voucher program. We received all of our rent increases as expected. I mean, actually, the city we did really well at like almost two and a half percent. Um, so that was an absolute win. Um, so honestly, the whole COVID thing, what everybody's talking about, we haven't seen or felt much pushback um, or had many issues in regards to that. So sure, yeah, it was interesting. You know, all of our all of our tenants have been paying as well. And I've discussed this kind of earlier. We actually had two tenants that reached out to us earlier on and were very proactive related to extending their lease or renewing their lease because, you know, they didn't want things to change and we were happy for it as well. And we, you know, I've never been great on, or we as a company have never been great on rent increases. I, I need some uh, help with that Ian of, of how to go about some of those things, <laughs> but we're just, you know, after they're in there, and they're happy and we're happy. And as long as, you know, there's not a lot of headaches, they want to renew. It's like, cool, let's just renew and, you know, keep it the same, but that's a different topic. So Pete, thanks brother. I know you and Blake are, are regulars, big, big fans. Thanks for uh, tuning in wherever you guys are. Um, here's a question that you can answer. This came from uh, Catherine Carey. Her info didn't pop up because she did it through she didn't do it through our, uh, a page. You do it through, she, she commented through a group, but why don't you answer this question? And it's probably better for you. What's the best way to screen prospective tenants right now? I would say, you know, you should have a, a good process going into this. But if you don't, um, there's a few different ways to screen tenants. And right now is probably more than ever. Um, I would say income verification, uh, actual physical call to the employer to make sure they're actually still working um, or if they're laid off, what their expectation to return to work is, um, is probably a very big one. Um, number two for screening, uh, we screen uh, our applicants. We do background checks. State of Maryland's very, uh, hopefully, uh, I think it was Catherine Carey. Is that who it was? Um, you know, I think you're in uh, Maryland. If you're in Maryland, you know, it's very easy to get on K-Search and do background checks. Um, I would have a tenant file a 
uh, credit check or bring their free credit report, however you choose to do it. Um, and that's really the best way. I would say right now, just like the same way loans are closing, you know, they're, you know, they're verifying income right up to the date of closing is I would 100% be um, checking and making sure that the income verification uh, checks out because that's, that's your biggest risk at this point. So. Nice. I agree. Um, good. Okay. So let's hop in. You got anything else related to evictions or you want to hop in about thoughts about after we, uh, the economy starts opening up? No, I mean, for evictions again, just, you know, make sure I'm going to get Evelyn on here and just make sure, um, you know what you're doing and where you're headed and that you don't get recycled in court, especially since there's going to be a major backlog and these things are going to be jammed up for a while. Um, so make sure you have your paperwork in order and you understand what your courts need. Gotcha. So, okay. So I'll, I'll kind of go through what I've been seeing firsthand and then maybe you can kind of see related to what, what you're seeing. I mean, I think as kind of the markets, the economy opens up, I think for the most part, it gives consumers a little bit more confidence. I think normal, regular real estate investors in general have still all been actively real estate agents and everyone in the real estate space has been very active. Uh, optimistic, cautious, but active on doing whatever they can, trying to get their hands on whatever projects they can get their hands on. Uh, they, have, they haven't they have had any problems selling their renovation projects. They, they haven't had problems um, you know, le leasing. They haven't had problems with construction for the most part, maybe a little bit slower, but they haven't had a lot of problems. But again, we're in a funky spot. Like what's going to happen this summer? Are we going to have a little really uh, mini real estate boom as there's very little inventory. And as you sell a property, properties are typically selling for top dollar if they're done right, because there's just less inventory out there right now. And will the spring market turn into the summer market will turn into the fall market. And again, I think a lot of that's just consumer confidence or, or buyers willing to more buyers willing to go into houses or sellers will have buyers come into their houses uh, with, you know, with things like that. So it's going to be curious to see what's going to happen with that. Um, again, you know, it's it's funky. I read somewhere, I heard somebody say that if you ever want to analyze, if you want to look back and figure out what happened during all this stuff and try to analyze um, ways, not necessarily to, to prevent or to determine or do research on the market, you can't, right? It was a, it was a weird situation that occurred. There was no rhyme or reason. Um, it just kind of it just kind of occurred. So there's no there's not a lot of data besides just kind of like unfortunate health actions that that made the market kind of do what it what it did. But again, it kind of went from like, hey, we're in a good market right now, and it kind of like paused, and then it seems like it's going to continue <laughs> going that direction. And again, I don't necessarily want it to go in that in that direction. Like it's good to have, like I I don't want I I'm the type of person that I don't want a big is going to turn into a big loss. I want status quo all the time. And if that's where we, we're going to continue to go with, which I doubt we're going to, that's where, because that doesn't happen. If we were going to continue to go there, we'd be, we'd be good. But my concern, what happens is we're going to have that this mini, uh, this mini kind of real estate boom that I, I think is going to happen. And again, like, who do I, what do I really know? And typically, whatever projections myself or Ian probably makes are going to be completely wrong, but whatever, I'll just throw it out there. I think it's going to be kind of a little mini real estate boom. Um, 
because there's there's not a lot of sellers out there selling. And as soon as the sellers start occurring, there's going to be like a little bit of boom. And then all of a sudden, as the real estate interest rates stay low, it's going to continue to go. And then all of a sudden, I'm hoping that those real estate rates don't overnight uh, rise like very, very quickly. You know, if it goes from like whatever, you know, an interest rate for a homeowner is 4%, then it goes to four and an eighth or four and, you know, a quarter and then four and a half and then five. And if that happens over a year or so longer, that's fine. But I do have concerns that after this real estate, uh, this mini boom potentially happens kind of this summer as things are opening up and sellers are more confident to sell their houses and buyers still need need houses, that those rates are going to go from like four and then jump up somewhere. And if that happens, uh, that's scary because that's the floor kind of dropping below, below well, or from, from under you. Right. And I kind of have a different viewpoint that I've been thinking about yep. recently. So... Number one, uh, up in Pennsylvania, they do have, they are having a boom. I think uh, Caitlin, uh, who we interviewed on here, was telling me that there was like 312 new listings the other day that came live since Pennsylvania um, has opened up just in Montgomery County, which is huge, you know? So the question is, sure, the interest rates are low, okay? Um, but my question, and this is what I've been thinking about, because I think everybody has noticed this, that Jason, you got a few more bucks in your pocket. I'm sure you do, right? Like you got a few more bucks in your pocket. You're not out going to lunch. You're not doing whatever. Yeah. Everybody's got a few more bucks in their pocket. Do people go out and say, you know what? I got a few more bucks in my pocket. I can hold this status quo. I'm going to go out and buy a new house, right? Like are those things going to transpire? A new car, a new house, a secondary house, a boat, whatever it may, may be, luxury items. Um, and if all that starts to happen and then normal life restores, you know, and people start going out to eat or do whatever, you know, do those things start to compress and then there's a collapse based on those types of things. You know, that's kind of what I was wondering about, you know, because it's like oh, yeah, a few extra bucks. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll go buy a beach house like Terry Royce, um, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, but I don't think a lot of consumers realize that that extra money in their pocket is because they've amended their daily life. Right. And I know. Yeah. Right, are supposed to open this weekend for outside seating only the question is you know what's the run back or you know how many people are jumping back to get get back out there you know um so yeah. anyway, that's kind of yeah. what i'm thinking about you know that i just go ahead i just uh i was just thinking about you know like where that consumer aspect of it how it relates back to the real estate market which ultimately reflects you know, the two point, I think someone in my office here got quoted at 2.85 for a 15 or for a 30 year loan. Like that's, that's basically free money, right? Like, so you got to start to question those things of how it relates back to the consumer market. And I'm not an economist by any means. I don't have any predictions. I don't know where the world's going, but these are things that you start to look at. Yeah. And, and, and again, keep in mind, like related to foreclosures and stuff, stuff like that, like foreclosures are not happening. <laughs> anytime soon because you know when it comes when it comes down to it you know i don't know do they indicate when foreclosures can occur again because you can file for a foreclosure you just you can you, know, you, you can start the process like, but have they indicated that like my guess is that is not going to happen until next year i just i don't see it i just don't see it happening like i don't think it's going to happen till early next year right so like you have nine months before that happens and then you got to go through the whole per, uh process Foreclosing on a homeowner transaction on a homeowner is 
in the state of Maryland takes a long time. In most states, it takes a long time, especially if it's contested, especially if, um, you know, they try to do workouts. You know, a lot of these deals aren't going to go to foreclosure, even though they're making pay- they haven't made payments because they're going to try to do workouts because they don't want to foreclose on it. They're going to try to do workouts. So then sometimes it's just going to extend the obvious or the inevitable. So like this could happen for like two more years potentially before all of that, at least before all of that happens. So, you know, that has a lot to do with, with, with a lot, a lot of this. And, you know, we're all reliant. And if I hope this is not sticker shock to anybody, but we are all reliant on the capital markets. We're all reliant on banks. It's just that simple. doesn't matter what side of real estate you're in. We're reliant on the liquidity that the banks have, because if you're a flipper um, or a wholesaler, it doesn't matter. You need to have, the bank needs to be lending to that retail buyer who are you're flipping that house to. And if you own rental properties, you need to rely on banks to have to give you leverage to refinance you onto those projects. We already know that some banks have lowered their exposure by 700 plus credit scores, more cash down, and that's probably going to continue. And again, if that continues slowly, it doesn't have a drastic effect quickly. If it, if it happens overnight and then all of a sudden the only way a homeowner is going to get a house is if they have a 700 credit score and 20 percent down and that happened they all do that overnight no other programs that's tough <laughs> that'll be tough if that happens very very quickly and i'm hoping that all this stuff is eased eased kind of you know over time and not quickly and because well, if it happens quickly it'll be scary but that's the other problem with the market still consistently going up with everything that's going on with the unemployment rates where they're at is that, you know, the Fed's saying I'm not, we're not moving the interest rate right now, which I think is what basically 0%. Um, if it's not in the negative percentage, um, you know, but if, if the market, the capital markets keep running and they say, well, we need to slow that down and they start raising interest rates. Well, that negatively affects all of us as consumers. Um, not just in real estate, but the world in general. So that's kind of like, you know, what, what do you do here? Like, it, it's just crazy to think how everything is so connected, you know, and, you know, like talking about Sam Zell's book last week, Am I Too Subtle? is just like what he went through and the, the ups and downs that he's gone through over a long period of time. When we all reflect, um, I think when we all reflect back on our lives, you know, 40, 50 years from now or whatever the heck I got left in me, for me, it could be next year. Um, but anyway, you know, 30, 40 years from now, say, oh, yeah, remember that little bump in the road, that COVID stuff? Yeah, we, we got through that. We weathered that storm. I think the biggest takeaway out of the, the whole thing is if you take nothing else out of this other than being properly properly capitalized in your business is what's going to help you weather this storm. There's literally nothing else you could have done um, unless you're unless you're like Ray Dalio or somebody you're like, oh, I'm going to predict this or whatever. Carl Icahn magically predict this. Like, come on, man. You know, um, but honestly, there was no way to predict this. And the only thing I can say is make sure your systems and processes were in place, which it's actually given us a great time to sit down and look at them. And number two is to be properly capitalized to weather this storm. The storm's yeah. going away. It, the clouds are going to move out. Everybody wants to do so many deals over and over and over and over and over. And, you know, do, do a small amount of deals. Keep it under wraps. Do it the right way. The problem is this. When you're when someone's doing tons and tons and tons and tons of deals and you have higher payroll and you have higher crews and you have a lot of other uh, expenses and then you have to uh, 
what's the term lever down, whatever the case is, you get yourself in trouble. You know, the investors that have always done a few deals here and there or a few deals a year, none of those are in, none of them are in trouble. The ones who are reliant on doing 50 or 100 deals a year, you get yourself in trouble very quickly and you're forced to do deals that you don't don't want to do. You know, I just did a private money minute today, one of the shows that I do um, uh, once a week. And a lot of it had to do with um, the 2008 recession uh, or the or the real uh, real estate market and Sam Zell's book. And to be honest, what other hard money lenders were institutional back lenders were doing. We were all reliant or everyone was reliant on the capital markets uh, dictating their business your individual real estate business. And what do I mean by that? Like, and, and you'll see as this next private money minute comes out, you'll, you'll hear it in depth, but I'll give you kind of a quick breakdown. Like think about what happened in 2008 or previously to 2008. Uh, homeowners got loans that they qualified for, but they couldn't afford. And there's a big difference. Everyone always, oh, well, if I can qualify for this, I'll just get the highest mortgage I can get because I got approved. Well, don't let the banks or the institutions or the capital markets determine what you're qualified for or what you can afford, that's your responsibility. And especially as a real estate investor, that is your responsibility to, de to determine that. Just because someone's going to approve you for $200,000 doesn't mean that you should take that money um, if you can't afford it or if it doesn't work for you. And Sam Zell talked about that as well. He looked back in that book, he looked back and definitely pick up that book if you, if you don't have it. It's so related to real estate investing and real estate in general and business that I mean, it's one of my favorite books at this point. Um, and we did a book review. So if you want to check out the Real Estate Investor Podcast, uh, you'll be able to see the replay of that.com. You'll be able to see the replay. And one of the things he said is he looked back at all the recessions and, and all the, and, you know, over time. And what he saw, it was uh, the capital markets dictated and they are the ones that push the market and over leverage the market over and over and over and over and higher and higher. And because is they kind of got greedy and, it's like, cool, we'll finance 60%, now 70%, 80%, now 90%, now 100%. So people were just like a race to the top to try to, because they could, they could get more and more and more leverage. And part of what I just said in this private money uh, minute video that I, had done, that I did today was uh, hard money lenders started doing that as well. You know, think about it like this. Hard money lenders are given 100% uh, fi financing. I'm not... Uh, or 90% financing, 80% financing. I'm not against having good leverage, good leverage on properties, but you can't get a 100% loan on a property that you're overpaying for. You're gonna lose, it's just that simple. The, and the institutional back lenders came in or were coming in and giving high leverage on projects that were overpaid for. And as a, a hobbyist investor would come in or a newer investor would come in and didn't know what the property was worth, unfortunately, and the lender would back them on it. And all of a sudden, you know, they have a $180,000 loan on a property that's worth $200,000 or that's worth $180,000 and you're going to lose and it doesn't work. Listen, Hard Money Bankers, our company has done our fair share of 100% financing. But guess what? You get 100% financing if you buy that property at built-in equity or low, uh, you know, or, or low loan to value. You know, the typical formula for, for hard money lenders in the past has always been 65% uh, of the after repair value minus construction costs. So if you look at the math, technically, you could do 100% financing for somebody. I could do, give somebody 100% financing at that formula, 
and I would still have a 35% equity cushion. And you as the investor would still have a 35% equity cushion if you purchase that property at the right numbers, right? You buy it for 80, it needs 50 in work. Uh, you're in it at 130 and it's worth 200. Now, don't get me wrong. Those deals are harder to find right now. That's what's happened over the last few years. Those deals have been harder to find. Are they out there? They're out there. Or is there tons and tons of them? No, but they are out there. And the reason why all of this stuff kind of fell apart is, okay, normally I'd buy at 80 plus 50. Now I'm going to buy at 80 plus or 90 plus 50 or 100 plus 50 or 110 plus 50. And then if, if you've got a lender that's continue that, that's going to continue to back you or finance you, it's going to put you in trouble. And it's going to put them in trouble. Like what happens if you bought that property for 130 plus 50, right? People are doing that. They're paying one, they're all in at 180 on a, uh, on the front end and you know, not, a, and then it's worth 200. You're losing money on that partic particular deal. So I know that was kind of a little bit of rant of rant, but I see it and I see it in, in the heart, in the real estate investing market. We saw it in the homeowner market and, you know, Sam Zell in his book talked about it in every recession. Like that's what it is. And it was the, and, and I know it's not the capital and market's fault. I mean, they, you know, they enabled it, but it's you as a real estate investor's fault because you didn't do your homework and you're overpaying for a property and you're getting <laughs> leverage from somebody who shouldn't be over leveraging you to begin with. So it's both people's fault, I guess. I'm going to put it back on somebody else. Now, yes, it's your fault, but if you're a newbie investor, right, you don't know any better. I go to Jason at Hard Money Bankers, or that's not a good example, but Jason at <laughs> CapitalMarketsLending.com or whatever the hell it's going to be, right? So I say, hey, Jason, I got this deal. It's worth, I'm buying it for a hundred. I'm putting a, I'm putting 75 grand into it and it's worth $200,000. And you as a lender come back and tell me, yeah, sure. No problem. Here's a hundred percent financing. Number one, you haven't been trained. Number two, all they're doing is collecting their fee. They don't give a crap. You know what I mean? Like they're not doing you as the borrower justice. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, well, who is this? Are they using their own well, money? Or they saying, using just saying, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. The lender, the lender is a part of your team, right? Like, so when I go to the bank and I say, Hey, this is what I want to do with this deal. And they say, yeah, we'll do it as long as it appraises. Like it's kind of like a, a backstop to say, Hey man, like, maybe this deal isn't the best deal. You got to come out of pocket a hundred thousand dollars. Like, does that really make sense on a $200,000 deal? No. Right. Like why would you even do that loan? And I know people do that with you. Um, but you know, if you're more importantly, I guess what I'm trying to say is Jason went down this rant and you know, he's talking about the market, but I'm going to flip it and take it as a learning point that if your lender comes back and tells you, hey, you need to bring X number of dollars to the table and you're like, holy shit, that doesn't make any sense to me. The deal probably doesn't make sense. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Um, yes, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes just might not be the appetite of the lender, but you're right it's in general. Right. But, but if you so you're all, let, let yeah. me mention one other point and then you can continue. The one important point on this is, is all parties have to be aligned to have an economic interest in it. The reason why, you know, if you're if you're a, a mortgage broker and you're just brokering it to, to, you know, to another lender, you don't have an economic interest in it. You know, you're trying to get the highest program, you know, the high, you know, the, the lowest terms and potentially the highest leverage for your client, which unfortunately is not doing them justice. But like, I understand the point that's you're just doing what you what they want them to do. But 
But, you know, you got to have an economic interest in it. The reason why Sam Zell was so good at risk and was so good at being a deal guy was he had an economic interest on every project he ever did. And you have to, you know, the reason why I'm not a huge fan of getting appraisals. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of people that naysay me on that or talking to other people. I, you can use an appraiser as a resource. You can use a real estate in, agent as a resource. You can use a real estate investor as a resource. But if you're the operator and you're buying this asset, you're the only one with an economic interest in it. They don't have an economic interest in it. And unfortunately, some institutions you work with might not even have a direct economic interest in it without you even knowing. You you can take advice from people, but like it's your responsibility. I don't care, Ian, if you're a newer investor. That that that, that doesn't, you know, you work your ass off and you and you work harder and you figure out a way to figure out and do whatever you can to make the deal work. It's that simple. Like you don't get a pass for that. The barrier to entry to be a real estate investor is a lot easier or less than a lot of than a lot of other businesses. And don't get me wrong, people make mistakes and you learn from mistakes. But that's the reason why you do one deal at a time and not just put a property under contract and and now you own it. Like put a property under contract, renovate it, sell it, flip it, get the cash back in your pocket and then move on to your next deal type of thing. Can, whoever has the economic interest and has real of their own funds to lose, those are the ones. Those are the ones that you're are, are involved. And a real estate flipper, typically out of all the real estate strategies in the residential real estate, uh, residential real estate, wholesaling, landlording, flipping, like flipping, typically you have the most, most, most cash out of pocket and potentially the most risk out of pocket with a lot of moving moving pieces on it. So. You know, you, you got to work your butt off and make sure you do it do it the right way because you could potentially have a lot to lose. Right, you have a, you have a longer time exposure, and, and that, that they're all good points. You're right. The person with the economic interest is the one that should be ultimately responsible, whether it's your money or somebody else's money or whatever it may be. Um, sorry, I, I'm looking at my other screen. I'm managing both to make sure to see if we have any comments anywhere else. And I landed on Hard Money Bankers PA. They're giving away a swag bomb, I guess, for the SpaceX launch. Are you giving away a swag bomb? I'm not. Oh, I'll say if you give away a swag bomb, I'll give away a book with the swag bomb. But I mean, anyway, I'll give away a, I mean, I'll give away a swag bomb. I don't. I, 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 I want to I'm happy to give away anything. Listen, I got, I got my property hackers book right here. I got lots of t-shirts. I'm happy. If you want to do a contest right now, I'm happy to give away something. That, I that's fine. I don't. I didn't have any. All I see is the SpaceX launch, and I don't really know what they're watching and what they're giving it away for. And I got so excited. I'm like, we need to shut down our podcast so I can go watch what they're giving away. So nice. No, I'm happy. Anyway. I'm happy to. I'm all I'm all about that. I'm all about that. I, I just wasn't planning to, but I'm happy to. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what they're giving away. The long, listen, the long story short is with this, you know, do your own due diligence. It's hard as a new real estate investor, you know. I, I analyze deals in other in other sectors as well, you know, to invest capital in, and it's hard for me to because I don't know them, I don't know that space, and I've made sucker bets and bad decisions before on angel deals and other things that I that I thought, you know, were uh, shiny objects and were sexy, and I wanted to be involved in you them. Sucked me in, you sucked me in, you bastard. All right, so I got a question for you. You know the conversation me and you had earlier this morning uh, about my <laughs> phone call later today. Um, so with that being said. The gist of it is, is if you could invest money in the stock market or real estate, how do you view that? And what's, what's your game plan on both asset classes? How, how do you consider me? 
yeah. real estate. Real estate. Real estate over stock market, right? Yeah, but that's what I know. That's what I'm an expert in. That's what I've been studying for the last 15 plus years. So you think that's your only reason is that you're like- 20 you're, years. You feel like you're the market expert so you can control it, not because it's like, you have the stock market, you can be wiped out tomorrow. Like, I, I mean, I'm just kind of thinking I out mean, loud. Most, most big- I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I have plenty of money in the market in different ways and 401ks right. and, and things like that. I, you know, college savings plans and things like that. So, I mean, the mark, so I already have a lot of capital in the market, but unfortunately I don't control a lot of it. Um, you know, it's through other sources that are controlled, you know, can, you know, controlled or invested on my behalf. Well, I think that's why people find real estate sexy. Number one, there's tax advantages, but two, that you can actually physically go out, see it, feel it, touch it and control it. Right. Like, I think that's the major difference. Um, and mentally, that's that's what works for me. I mean, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a real estate guy. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Every time I try to go study the stock market, I just I get so overwhelmed. There's so many options, you know, whereas it's like real estate. It's like get focused on one specific deal. And it's like, boom, there it is. Real, real estate's easy to understand, a lot more easy to understand. I mean, the market, the market's, the market's tough in, in general. I mean, the guys who are real experts in the market, they underwrite every business in every sector. They know everything of, of, of all of that. They know every business model. Number one, every business model, if it's gonna work, if it's not gonna work, they know where to head their, hedge their bets on where what to invest in and what not to invest in. And, you know, it's if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. Um, I mean, listen, there's money to be made in real estate in any market. It's that's it's that simple. You know, sometimes you go all in, sometimes you hold back. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I'm, I'm invested in the stock market in multiple ways. I just thought of a great idea for a competition. You ready? Sure. I'll give away my book. You'll give away your book. And if you want to give away swag, I don't really have any swag laying around here. Whoever suggests the next best book to read that we can review for next month. No, well, ooh, but we got to not just suggesting it. It's got to be something that we both agree with that we want to read together. All right, fair enough. So if somebody has a book suggestion that we should read. We just finished Sam Zell's "Are You Too Subtle" book. Um, those are the type, those are the types of books that yeah, we want to do. A, we want to do a we want to do a book review, another book review related to that. And the thing is, is most of the really good books that we've read, you know, we could do a book review on them if we wanted, but like we might have to we not have to reread them to catch ourselves up on them. It's good to have fresh stuff. Um, and I was going through a all zoned out. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, I'm down. I mean, listen, between now and, you know, the next two days, if you comment on this, maybe we do, how do you want to do it? You want to do it based on comments? Yeah, we'll do it over the, from now until Friday. Whoever comes up with the book that we decide to read and we enjoy, we're going to give you a copy of our book and, uh, we each have our own book and, uh, whatever swag we got laying. I don't know. I think I have any swag laying around the office, but I know Jason definitely does. Uh, we'll send you a swag bomb. So we like, so like Sam Zell, Emma Tuzuddle. We read Warren Buffett's, you know, Snowball Effect. Uh, Alex, what's his name? Alex Binion, Third Door. Not nine. Uh, I mean, so, I've, been banging through, I've been banging through a book or two, a, you know, a book or so, a month or so. So it's, well, there's plenty of them. It's just a matter of the right ones to do a book review that everyone can get value from. Absolutely. So doors open. You can, uh, Email me at Ian at Equity or uh, Jason at HardMoneyBankers.com or prefer that you post it up here. And if we pick the book, uh, we'll be swag bombing you.
So that's fun. We have our first competition. Cool. We got to make it a little bit better and more official, but I agree. I'm down. Oh, well, <laughs> we'll post it later. Farah, uh, how is credit required for your loans? So we pretty much look at, at um, a hard money lender is going to pretty much look at everything. They're going to look at the collateral, the property, the character of the borrower, the capacity to see if you can make payments, execute on the project, and also look at the credit. So it's a little bit of everything. Your follow-up question is how do you determine approvals? You know, we do look at the property address, estimate construction costs, uh, estimate purchase price to make a decision if, if the project works and if it's a good kind of viable project. Uh, feel free to email me directly at jason at hardmoneybankers.com, J-A-S-O-N at hardmoneybankers.com. And uh, we can go from there and, and chat. Uh, we got any other questions before we wrap it up? We're over your timeline. I thought you had to roll out of here. I'm just sitting here watching the click, uh, clock tick off, thinking I gotta go. But uh, I what you had, I, no, no, I gotta roll out. I gotta roll out at uh, 1:30. But I wanted to give myself an hour of working time because I've literally been on the phone all freaking day. You helped me out with an issue on Infusionsoft. Um, I had to jump online with Apartments.com and set up that whole account. And then I've been working on our marketing piece for to help you know get new tenants. It's just. A lot of stuff going on, but we're building out systems and that's what matters. And we had a good conversation. So when there's a good conversation going on, I'm here. I don't want to go anywhere. So nice. But um, all right. Well, we got anyone else? Uh, I know we got uh, Dan Schwartz lined up next week. That's going to be a really good one. So, but I'm sweating. My AC is not working in my office. So let me go yell at Dan and uh, I'll catch you later. All right. Fair um, enough. All right, guys. See you. Check you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast. Do us a favor and like, comment, and share our broadcast. It helps the algorithm and helps us spread the word too. Till next time, thank you for tuning in.